Let's foray into Nevada's wild spaces. This is a half an hour adventure with the Nevada Department of Wildlife. This is Nevada Wild. Here on this Welcome to Nevada Wild, brought to you by the Nevada Department of Wildlife. I'm Ashley Sanchez, here with Erin Keller, and today we have Laura Ritchie with Nothing To It Culinary Center and Christy Crabtree with Nevada Foodies. Welcome, you guys. Perfect time to have you. People are out hunting right now, and the holidays are quickly approaching, so it's going to be the time of year where people are cooking a lot, so we thought you guys would be the perfect guests to have come in and talk about how to cook wild game. Thanks for having us. Yeah, yeah. thank you. Thank no you. problem. Um, I I want to start with just having both of you explain. We could start with you, Laura. A little, tell us a little bit about nothing to it. Sure. So um, we're a four part business. We have a retail store. We have a gourmet deli. We serve lunch Monday through Saturday. We are a full service caterer, and we have the cooking school. So we're sort of firing on all different ways. I figure either I'm going to teach you how to cook or I'm going to feed you one way or another. Um, But what I would say that the school really focuses on, um, you know, we do all sorts of classes, whether they're, uh, you know, sort of topical, like maybe it's, you know, a girl's night out or couple's night out. But we also do international nights. So maybe it's Taste of Thai or India or Morocco. Um, But what we really focus on are the techniques and the flavors, because that's really what cooking comes down to. And once you learn those, you can really apply it to just about anything you're cooking. And that includes wild game. Absolutely. 100%. So for those hunters who are going out right now, it's not a bad idea to take any cooking class. Yeah. You know, near and dear to me really is the technique series. I love all of my classes, but the techniques, we really look at like, you know, why would you grill over? Why would you roast? Or why would you steam? Or why do you braise? And what are those flavors? Because once you learn the why and the how, then you can apply it to, oh, okay, well, you know, I just harvested some trucker. So what can I do with that? And then once you get the technique, then you start playing with flavors. And that's really where the fun starts to happen. Exactly. And I know Endow tries to work with you guys a lot on classes. Oh my gosh, we have a blast. So be sure to keep an eye on our Facebook page and then nothing to it yeah, um, absolutely. as well. And In the new year, we'll be doing some classes with you guys. And um, we I, I look forward to it every time. I love, I love you hunters and fishermen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we try and schedule our classes based on like kind of like they're getting ready to go hunting, so then you prep for hunting. So all of our learn-to-shoot classes and hunter education stuff, but then the cooking and the, the classes like that are kind of after the season. So as we move through trucker season and deer season and all those, then we'll get into cooking, proce- game processing, yeah. same thing. And that's some of the stuff so. we could get into today. Yeah. So. So. I always learn from Aaron. It's fascinating to yeah. me. Yeah. Yeah. No, it is this this building every is class we teach at nothing to it I, i'm like man i it's like rejuvenating re-energizing like wants me to go want, makes me want to go hunting again <laughs> so then i can do more do you really need things need like the prop to go hunting again no not really <laughs> 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 and then christy you're with nevada foodies could you explain a little bit uh about what nevada foodies yeah. is? yeah it, it was a hobby website that i i started um 
probably about eight years ago, just to help people understand technique on how to cook wild game, as well as how easy and simple it is to actually enjoy the wild game that they bring home, basically from the field to the table. Um, so I, I photograph everything and I give simple instructions and directions on how to actually prepare it and how to blend spices and seasonings and use salts. Um, and the same with what Laura was talking about is the technique, you know, what to braise, what not to braise, what you can grill, um, different pans that you can use to get a different kind of texture to the meat. Um, and just to really simplify it for people and, and let them know that they don't have to grind everything and just eat burgers and spaghetti <laughs> yeah. and tacos. Right. Um, and chili. And chili. I feel like chili I mean, is the main, main, the main thing. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, I, I'm, I'm taking, you know, cuts of meat and saying, hey, save all the large cuts of meat and you can, you know, you can make a verde or you can, you know, make fajitas or you can do something else with that meat rather than just grind the whole thing. Exactly. So. And then you post a lot on Instagram, too. We were I, just talking about how you have a good Instagram. Yeah, I post everything on Instagram, um, Facebook, and on the website as well. Just trying to share with different audiences, you know, based on kind of what their visual and where they go. And just share everything and, and kind of see what we're doing. And, and I do a lot of growing out in the garden and the greenhouse and try to, you know, combine things like that and the fresh vegetables and fresh this and that with the game meat and try to have a really good, healthy, organic type of, of lifestyle. And I'm not a hunter, actually, but I one thing that has interested me, especially since working here, is just learning how that is the most natural way. Mm -hmm. Like, I definitely am interested in the cooking side of it, and um, it's just so, I mean, how much more natural can it get? Can you get, yeah. You go from garden to table and field to table and, and plate and and it's 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 pretty rewarding too, especially with you know all the all of the allergies and things that friends and family are are coming down with. And I don't know where it's coming from necessarily, but a lot of people that I know that have allergies can eat game and not find that they have the same histamines wow. or, or allergic reactions to it. So it's one of those things that we're kind of pushing a little bit more and and trying to find out more information about and and go from there very interesting yeah definitely there's been a movement right mm -hmm. and and it seems like food is kind of a common denominator from even when we um like the younger generations they're starting to get into hunting and you're like we ask the question why are you interested in hunting or why do you want to go hunting there's a couple of common answers one is food the other one is like family or fun right and but the food one seems like it's an easy I mean, that's something Connect that slowly. would draw me into it. Right. So <laughs> I can speak to that. Right. Yeah. Everybody loves food yeah. and good food. So, yeah. Well, with Thanksgiving coming up, do you guys have any, I mean, we had someone in the building, one of our employees just got an elk this week. Um, I don't know. Do you have any tips or recipes you want to share or direct people to? Um, I know that we're we're putting on a little wild game feed this weekend. Oh, you so, are, yeah. yeah, because we, I ended up getting a cow elk and antelope, um, and then we went to another state and brought home a bison. Um, so we've got quite a bit of meat in the freezers. I think we've got about four freezers in the yeah. garage. Yeah, um, you're all stocked. Yeah, up. we're pretty busy. Um, so just fun things, you know, we're gonna do some uh, a cornbread elk casserole for one thing because it's easy to make and prepare and f 
serves quite a few people. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to do some appetizers with some venison and some homemade pesto sauce that yeah. that Laura inspired me at the last wild game cooking class. And uh, and a few other things. And then we've got some friends that are going to come over and they're going to cook some stuff up for us. And we got some wild salmon and, you know, we're just going to make it a big, you know, game feed and, and be thankful for everything that we harvested and brought home and, and celebrate it. Sounds so good. That sounds it's great. Yeah. Hungry. Um, I'm like, what am I cooking? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we were talking about before we started the podcast, you were just saying, again, people get so stuck on the same recipes, but... I do. You know, the thing to remember with game meat, um, and it just depends on what it is you're cooking, right? So if you're doing like chucker or pheasant or sage grouse, the thing to remember is they are more lean. Game meats tend to be more lean. And so it gives you a lot of freedom in um, and permission to use fat, right? Because that's going to give us some tenderness and that's going to give us some flavor. So, um, and there are several ways you can do it, whether you're basting it, you know, those of you that hunt duck, you know, save the duck fat. You can keep it in your freezer and you can use that to baste um, these um, other meats while you're cooking with them or cooking potatoes and duck fat is truly an amazing <laughs> historical <laughs> event. Um, but, you know, so so I would keep that in mind. I would keep in mind that you really need a good thermometer because there's nothing worse than overcooked game meat. Well, meat in peri- like in general, but specifically game meat. When you overcook it, it gets tough. Um, it brings out some of the more oiliness of it and um, and just takes, takes away from the true beautiful flavor of the meat. So a thermometer, some fat, and then remember you have a whole arsenal in your kitchen and in the grocery stores of fresh herbs and dried herbs and spices and these are great ways to get flavors whether you're marinating um, whether you're basting whether you do a rub Uh, I always love to brine I just was reading an article the other day that said like brining's out and I was like slow your roll (laughs) brining will never be out because it's such a terrific way to treat things like pheasant and chucker and even sage grouse, because what you're doing is you're adding a little flavor and a little more moisture into that meat. So a brine is water. At its basic level, it's water and salt. Mm-hmm. I always add a little bit of sugar. Um, with my game meats, I like to do like bay leaf and um, crushed juniper berries and um, garlic and peppercorns and cloves. And so you let it brine, take it out if you want really crisp skin then let that bird sit in your refrigerator for about maybe eight hours so that the meat won't dry out, but the skin will dry out. So that when you go to cook it, you'll get this great crisp skin and then really juicy meat. Yum. I'm getting hungry. I know. (laughs) That's what I keep saying. (laughs) I wish it, it's not visual. So I didn't have you as bring any food, but I should have had, I should have lied and (laughs) said that we were going to be filming it. You should have said it was a requirement. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You know, and a great way, like, you know, Christy, I think brought up a really good point is that when you're entertaining, it's very hard to do everything last minute, Mm -hmm. right? So you need to have dishes that are prepared ahead of time. It takes some of the pressure off of you. And those are always like those, very heartfelt like comforting dishes mm-hmm. too um so think about that when when you're preparing and maybe it's something like um if if you like things last minute then i would suggest maybe even trying cooking sous vide okay so this is like we're stretching the limits now yeah but really what you're doing is it's a um, pretty controlled environment that slowly cooks meat 
to temperature, it's going to be divine. Now, it won't be crisp. There won't be any browning on it. There's nothing of that nature. But it's a great way to infuse flavor and know that your meat is cooked perfectly. And then you take it out and you could do this a day ahead and let it sit. And then the next day you bring it to room temperature, give it a flash in the pan or under the broiler and you're ready to go. So, you know, just kind of another way to figure out how to get everybody fed at the same time with the least amount of pressure on the kitchen. Such good information. I need to come to one of your cooking classes. <laughs> We're not far away. Yeah, no, yeah. you aren't. And you you see your building right off the freeway. freeway. Mm-hmm. So it's easy to find. And then a lot of this um, does start, the flavor of wild game starts in the field. Uh, totally in the field. Uh, as soon as that animal goes down, you need to get it open and and get it cooled down and take care of that meat. So whether you bring a tarp with you or something to keep it out of the dirt. Um, and if you gut it or if you do the gutless method, either, whatever way that you choose to do it, that meat has to get cooled down immediately and taken care of immediately and on ice, um, whether it be antelope, elk, or venison, um, because that's going to actually change the flavor of the meat once you get it home and you you process it or at least if you take it to somebody else to have them process it it always starts in the field and do you guys see that a lot that people don't do it right out in the field oh i've seen whole whole antelope in the back of trucks in 95 100 degree weather it it is one of the barriers that a lot of people ask they're getting into hunting and they want to figure out how to uh you know how to process their their game because they're you know they're worried about taking care of the meat but there's a few steps and i think we'll probably talk about that right after the break just like a few steps that people can take planning ahead for when they go out into the the wilds of nevada that will set them up for success once they get an animal and get back to their vehicle it really goes before even you start the hunt yep for sure so, yep, yeah, you have to, to you have to be prepared and, you know, have a good understanding of what you're going to do. I'm my husband and I knocked down two cow elk last year at the same time. That was hard, you I know, bet. because right. we had to we had to gut one. And we usually do gutless. We had to gut one to cool it down immediately and then hike and find the other one and then do the same thing, take care of the same thing, knowing that one was still left and cooling right. down. Yeah. You know, because that's our priority. You know, we took the life of that animal. Now is the time that we need to take the best care of that animal to make it, you know, to give it the best, you know, thank you, essentially, exactly. you know, for, yeah, for taking life. And at that point, you don't want to mess around. You don't want to mess around. You want to no. be knowing what you're doing. Everybody has a job. Yeah, everybody's get got a job. Done and get mm-hmm. it on ice. Basically. Yep. And we are running out of time for the first half of the show, but we'll get in, into processing the meat and all of that right when we get back. You're listening to Nevada Wild. Well, the game's good if you're getting gone. I'm gonna put my boots and my hat back on, cause I'm long gone to get you on. Long gone to get you on. If you enjoy listening to our podcast, leave us a review on iTunes and SoundCloud. For more information on hunting, fishing, boating, and all things wildlife, go to endow.org. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Nevada Wild. Today we are talking all about cooking wild game. And before the break, we were saying that the flavor of your meat actually starts before you even go out on your hunt. Like there's things you need to do to prepare, things you need to bring. Can you speak to that a little bit, Christy? Um, A lot of what we do, um, we prepare by making sure that we have game bags 
Um, we usually try to take a tarp with us. So if we get an animal down and we start to break it down, then we can put the quarters on a tarp to keep, you know, dirt and rocks and everything off the meat. And if we forget a tarp, which we've done before, we find if we're near a tree, we'll hang it in a tree or we'll find some sagebrush and put it there. Um, we always make sure that we bring a couple of sharp knives in a knife sharpener. Um, and as soon as that animal goes down, we get to work. So it's, it's, it's not just, yay, you know, we take our photos and get all excited and then we go, okay, now the work really begins. So, you know, we start quartering the animal up, putting it in game bags as soon as we can. Um, the way that we like to do it is we'll usually bring ice blocks in coolers and then put um, cardboard on top of the ice because I, I prefer the meat to stay cool and not wet. Um, and everybody has their personal preference mm -hmm. on really how they take care of their meat. Um, but to me, it makes it easier because we process ourselves that once we get that meat home, it's got a nice hard casing all around it. And it's easier for us to then trim and then start processing all of the different cuts of meat. Um, where I know a lot of people will put it on ice or in ice water um, or or ice water with salt. Um, mm -hmm. You know, yeah, everybody everybody kind of has, and I don't know if it's the way that they were raised. You know, it's kind of a tradition or, or what. Maybe it was the way they were taught. So. Right, right. And so, I mean, to each his own, everybody's got their own way, but that's kind of what we do. Um, and then once we get it home, sometimes we'll put it in the fridge and then we'll unload and, you know, take a break, knowing that it, we still have work to do. Mm -hmm. So then we'll break it down in the house and then we'll separate good cuts of meat, wash and dry everything, um, wrap everything, label everything, the year, what it is. And a lot of times it's his and hers. Oh. So it'll be mine. <laughs> ah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then, um, and then we'll take the grind and then we'll grind that meat. And, you know, we usually do A and B type grinds. I'll do like an A with really good meat without adding fat. And the B is more of like shanks and pieces that have more sinew and stuff in it and we'll add beef fat to that and we'll usually do like a 1090 ratio fat to to meat and then we'll sit there and we'll get our assembly line around the counter and we'll package one pound grind all around the counter and put it in ziplocs and call it good it sounds like it's also very like it's a good family it brings the family together brings people together right. it's a yeah. lot of work uh -huh. though yeah if you're if you guys would have seen me just i was just nodding my head as she was talking <laughs> yeah. it's very similar to what we do a tarp is a great thing to use and then but when you get home yeah you'll you can call buddies when when i grew up we would and whoever got an animal the same group of people would come over and process it so if i got a buck everybody would come over and help if somebody else did i would they would oh, call and so be like great. hey i i got a buck i'm gonna be home we're gonna do it tomorrow night and then you'd go over there and help them so is there a window time? of time like from when you harvest the animal to like processing it and getting it in the freezer like do you do you guys have like a a window that's like your optimum i think it depends too on how much room you have in a fridge <laughs> so yeah. i know right. i know we've got one empty fridge out in the garage um where we actually stored our uh elk this year for about five days okay. just making sure that the temperature stayed the same nobody opened the door because that changes the temperature as you sure. know laura um so it can break the meat down and then we took the weekend and then we cut that up but sometimes we've done it immediately it just depends on our time and the space that we have right okay. i think that it's just paying attention to it right just like your steak that you bring home you don't just throw it in the bed of your truck right so that's right. always the, <laughs> right you mm -hmm. want to take you put it get sure. it into the fridge as fast as possible one thing that we we don't like to get the meat wet 
Um, so what we do is we freeze like half gallon milk jugs with water or just gallon milk jugs of water and then lay something down on top of it to keep that separation, but it still keeps it cold. Oh, that's great. Mm-hmm. Then when it melts, then you have drinking water. Yeah. Right? See? So reuse, repurpose. Yeah, so you don't have to pack a bunch of drinking water, you already have it. Oh, that's great. And it's ice cold. Sure. So Yeah, we talk a lot at the school, um, you know, and this this really applies to fish as well is like the more constant cool temperature you keep something at the more intact the meat is the more intact the flavors are and then when you go to cook then it becomes a different thing you know when we talk about seafood it's everything needs to be you know pretty cold when you start to cook it because it cooks so quickly but when we're talking about meat um it needs to come to room temperature before you cook it. I want you to imagine a steak, right? Mm. Uh, when you take it out of the fridge, it's nice and cold. We're probably talking around like in 40s and 50s. And so if we put that into a pan right away, a couple things happen. One, it sticks. So now you're going to have to add more fat, and that might not have been your goal to have as much fat there. Maybe your goal was like, I'm going to make a really rich sauce. I'm going to cook the meat as low fat as I can. Uh, uh, you know, cooking's all about making those decisions. But the other, like, almost bigger issue is that that meat is cold. And so when it's cooking, the outside is going to cook before the inside even warms up. So you're going to have these taste differences, textural differences. It's going to cook very unevenly. And I just think if you spent all that time harvesting this animal, like, give it its due process in the pan as well. Like, honor it once it gets to the pan or into the oven. And so when we say room temperature, it's like half an hour on your counter. You know, so those nights that you're coming home and you know you're going to have like, you know, I don't know, ground elk tacos. When you get home, take it out of the refrigerator that minute let it sit on the counter while you change or, you know, open the mail, whatever it is. And then when you come back to cook, you're ready. You don't have to wait for the meat to come to room temperature. Exactly. That's a lot of good information for that I'm going to take into account <laughs> when cooking. I struggle with that. You know, my, I always end up with my meat, like, is way too overcooked. Um, so you need to take Laura's class. I do. That's you what do. I'm realizing. Class, <laughs> I'm yeah. not a good Christmas cook. is coming. And, but but yeah. it does, a lot of it's just practice, right? It yeah. You're practice. not just going to become a chef without practicing. Right. You I do. Mean, there's a bunch of things that we've learned over the years and it's by messing up or the, like forgetting to take out burger. Right. And then you get home and you have a block of burger. Right. Now what I do is I, everything's all measured out before you ever seal it. We use those vacuum saver seal oh, bags, right? Yeah. But then when, before we freeze it, I flatten it like as flat as I could so get it, a piece of paper. So, so it's one pound. Quickly. Yeah. You can get it out, defrost it quick. You can put it because they're airtight. You can put it in a little bit of like warm water. Well, and they, s- and they store faster. really well too when you Super flatten them flat. like that. Mm-hmm. So you can lay them flat. And then if you label the top, of the package you can lay them in vertical so rather oh, than flat true. you put them like that like a rolodex gotcha. and you can see like deer antelope elk, see there's so elk. much to cooking meat before it even hits the pan like it's you, just a I, huge process I, I think like any other part of your life preparation's the key mm-hmm. you know and and the more prepared you are the more enjoyable the experience it's when you have to um you know when you're in the field and something catches you by surprise and you don't because it's going to because that's life and you're not, you don't have tools to answer those, you know, maybe situations, that's when things get stressful. Mm-hmm. Same thing in your kitchen. If you're not prepared for it, then it becomes stressful. It's less of an enjoyable activity and more of like drudgery. 
Exactly. I feel right. like that's where I'm at with it right now. <laughs> so, but this is helping me. <laughs> I want to start cooking. And more. I don't remember which one of you told me, but another good tip is to don't cut your big pieces of meat all the way down to nothing. Right? So you take a backstrap and rather than cutting a backstrap into one inch butterfly steaks, you leave it as like a bigger piece of meat. So then you can. That's that's. Well, it gives you it gives yeah. you more decisions. It gives you more options. Yeah. Why I would mean, you want to take the best cut of meat? I think this is how you've said it. Why would you want to take one of the best cuts of meat and cut it into these tiny little pieces rather mm-hmm. than wait and keep all the moisture and everything inside of it? It's true. It's true because then you can take that six to twelve inch backstrap cut and then say you want to have backstrap and you want thicker medallions, mm-hmm. then you could cut it in half and then put the other half in the fridge and save that for the weekend and then make your medallions. Or you can cut it up and, and make, you know, chili verde or something like that or um, or a burgundy, you know, with those good yeah. cuts of meat. It's just, that's why I say, don't grind everything and stop using bacon. <laughs> yeah. Right. You know, I mean, just look at what you have and if you don't know what those cuts of meat are the, the internet's easy to right. kind of figure that out um or just say you know roast call it a roast and then take that roast and and look at it and see all yeah. the options that you have rather yeah. than baking a whole roast because i'm totally against that but <laughs> yeah it's just yeah. there's so many options that you can do that to really enjoy that meat and to convert everybody in your neighborhood or your, your family to to hopefully go out and start hunting themselves yeah too. i just got a traeger Grill. Ooh, so I'm fun. I'm all all over it. I'm, yeah, I'm all back in now for That's trying great. to figure out recipes for yeah. that. So well, and I would say too, you know, you mentioned bacon. The thing with bacon is that it has smoke on it. Mm-hmm. So while it's giving you fat and it's giving you flavor, you're also getting some of that smoke, and that's not always what you want in a recipe. So consider things like pancetta. It's just a, the Italians' answer to bacon. It just hasn't been smoked. Um, I find that pork fat's one of the more versatile fats out there that has a really good texture and not much flavor to it. So um, that's probably my fat of preference if it isn't duck. Um, I'll use a little bit of goose fat here and there too, but, um, and of course butter. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I get a lot of butter from Costco. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know, and like when you see butter going on sale, just buy a bunch and put Mm -hmm. it in the freezer. Cause it's something, I mean, who doesn't use butter? Well, I use it on everything. Yeah. I'll sear an uh, antelope tenderloin and butter and slivered garlic and fresh sage leaves. That's what I made last night. So it was good. Oh, actually, it was amazing. speaking of that sage, so when that was what I was going to come back to was when you were talking about cutting up animals and you set them on the sagebrush, mm-hmm. right? Sage is a is an herb that you use to cook with, so sure. you don't have to be as particular. Whereas dirt, like if you get it in the dirt, so that tarp. Oh yeah, you don't want dirt on your meat. Right, but <laughs> sage. Oh, wow. But if you set it just on top of sagebrush you clean off the sticks you can sure. do that and then talking about cleaning meat too is making sure that you try to remove as much hair that gets right. on the meat yeah. um especially the antelope and things like that um no one wants hair nobody wants to yeah maybe we'll just put some of these tips in the description of the of the podcast just in yeah case everybody can doesn't have to write them down real fast but um, that's we pretty much all the time we have for today. Well, super fast. I think the theme is people don't get stuck in the same recipes. Try out some new things and find Nevada foodies on Instagram, nothing to it on Facebook. And you guys have a website. We do. And, um, be sure to listen to more of our podcasts on SoundCloud. That's it for today's Nevada wild.
Join us again next week for our next adventure, Nevada Wild. It's a production of the Nevada Department of Wildlife.